Good morning, everyone. Hope you've had a great week. It's good to spend time with you again uh, here again this Sunday morning. Uh, so welcome to our virtual gathering at Hope and Anchor Church. This is our sixth week in quarantine, so I'm glad uh, you've uh, come to uh, get together here on the podcast. So um, this is uh, going to be an exciting week, I think, uh, but we'll find out more here in uh, in just a few minutes. But uh, this is the second Sunday of Easter. Um, it's been a week of celebrating our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, and uh, I hope you're doing okay. I hope that... Um, you know, unfortunately, we've gotten used to being in quarantine and on lockdown. Uh, but hopefully, you've been able to establish some healthy rhythms uh, in your relationships and your work and, and all the stuff that needs to get done. I pray that uh, your walk with the Lord has been fruitful. I know personally, there's been ups and downs during these past few weeks, just uh, emotionally and things like that. And uh, just sometimes I feel um, really close to the Lord, and sometimes I feel uh, just kind of distracted or bored. And I think that's maybe the case for all of us. And so I think being honest about that is helpful. It helps us approach the Lord uh, uh, receptive to what He wants to do and is doing in our lives. So um, my prayer for you is that this would not be wasted time, these weeks where we're stuck at home and uh, kind of disrupted from our normal normal rhythms. I pray that uh, we would be able to look back on this time and recognize that God's been up to something, and that He grew us. He grew our church. He grew our families and our and our uh, friendships, uh, even though it was strange and, and strangely disconnected. So, I pray that uh, we would be re- a reflective people. We'd be uh, eager to reflect on these things um, going forward. So, uh, this morning I've got Christy with me again, and um, I'm always happy to have her help help out with these uh, podcast episodes. Uh, but yeah, how how are you doing? doing well. Um, I Hopefully you all know that um, I started an online uh, Bible study yesterday morning. It's just five weeks. Lifeway is offering free um, videos and $5 eBooks uh, for all of their, well not all of them, but a selection of their Bible studies. And so we started one called Faithful and uh, uh, Priscilla Shire taught the first session. It's just five weeks. You can jump on anytime. I think most people are not doing the eBook. It's the format's a little wonky. Uh, so just watching the videos at home and then coming together on a Saturday morning on Zoom to talk about what we learned this week. Uh, and the thing that um, I really took away uh, from from what uh, Priscilla was talking about um, was that to ask the question, uh, Lord, what have you called me to do in this situation for you? What have you called me to learn? And so it's kind of been uh, the prayer of my week this week. How How can I use this? time um it is a gift it's a it's a curse but it's also a gift um you know that we have extra time to to spend um in doing the things that matter and so really um seizing that opportunity to make sure that we go deeper and not that we waste or squander this opportunity to go closer to christ through adversity and so um just really i have i don't have an answer (laughs) but i've been praying yeah but that's good though i mean for me it's good to hear that because Sometimes when things get difficult or uh, disjointed, I, I kind of withdraw, and I sometimes forget um, that we that even in adversity there is opportunity. And so, God, as God's people, our call is to pray, to be people of prayer, to be people of of hope and of faith, and and believing that God can and will do something good, uh, even through something 
uh, bad. Uh, he'll bring light in darkness. And so for this week, um, I think it's important for us to be mindful of how we pray. And so I would encourage you this week to be praying first, but then secondly, be praying for things like this. Be praying for the recovery uh, that is bound to come. I, I think we're hopefully uh, entering into a time of recovery in our state, in our nation, uh, seeing reports that we may have reached the peak of the COVID crisis uh, earlier this week on the 14th and 15th. So I pray that's true. I pray that we'll start seeing our numbers go down. We'll see, start seeing the uh, epidemic uh, wane in the in the coming weeks. Pray for our community as we get going again economically, um, socially, that we'd be wise, that we'd be patient. Pray for the, those who have been affected by the COVID uh, virus. Pray for their health and recovery. Pray for the frontline workers, the, the healthcare workers, all those who've been uh, in essential jobs that have been interacting with the public day in and day out. I pray that you'd keep them, uh, pray for them, that they'd stay healthy. Uh, and pray for stability. This has been an unsettling time, and there's been a lot of uncertainty, a lot of upheaval. Um, I pray that we find that new normal, and I pray that that new normal is healthy, sustainable, and God-honoring. So if you would, be praying for those things this week. So as I mentioned earlier, today is the second Sunday of Easter during Easter Tide, the uh, the forty or fifty day season after Easter, in which we are even more intentional about intentional about celebrating our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So this morning, Christy is going to read our gathering prayer for us. So please join us. God of life, source of all faith, through the waters of baptism, you have raised us up in Jesus and given us life that endures. Day by day refine our faith, that we who have not seen the Christ may truly confess Him as our Lord and God, and share the blessedness of those who believe. Grant this through Christ Jesus, the resurrection and the life, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. All right, thank you. All right, well today we are starting a brand new teaching series. Um, and... In the spirit of full disclosure, I need to tell you that this new teaching series pretty much started uh, as a joke. Uh, it started out as a joke. I, I, I was actually making fun. I was just making fun of a song, and I started writing stuff down because it would be fun and funny. And then, uh, strangely, my playful banter, my playful written banter actually turned into a sermon which then somehow turned into an eight-part series called Behind the Music. Behind the Music. So today we start an eight-part teaching series called Behind the Music. Now, I remember when I did this, I was sitting at our table in the dining room, writing, smirking to myself, thinking how silly this was. Uh, and this was one year ago. One year ago, this time of year, it was in 2019. And frankly... I've been putting this off. I've been putting this teaching series off. I've been hesitant to start it because, frankly, it is a little bit embarrassing. It's a little embarrassing. Why? Well, first, because a series like this, it feels like something that pastors try to do in order to be relevant. I wish you could see my air quotes. Trying to be relevant. And second, it's because the series, this series, the Behind the Music series, it starts with a very embarrassing song. Over the past several months, every time I've thought about starting this series, I get these pangs of anxiety. My face tingles up around my forehead. My armpits sweat. 
I start imagining all the friendships I'm going to lose. I start imagining all the credibility I'm going to lose as soon as I crack the lid off of this series, especially this first week. But here's the deal. At this point, I've run out of excuses. I've run out of reasons for delay and just how, I'm, how I am. I can't bring myself to throw sermons away. Uh, so maybe this is providence, but I feel like the coronavirus, the lockdown, might actually be the perfect cover. Today's sermon might be perfectly suited for a straight-to-podcast format. So as we begin uh, the Behind the Music teaching series, first, I ask that you lower your standards. Uh, Second, I'd ask that you show me some grace. And then third, I would ask that you actually listen closely. Because aside from my personal feelings about this series, um, I think there are some valuable lessons to learn here, even though there are some ridiculous songs. But I think there are some valuable lessons to learn here. And there are some truths to be gleaned. So, uh, as we start today, uh, here is our first song, uh, Jesus Take the Wheel by Carrie Underwood.
so glad we have that behind us. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, Carrie Underwood, uh, Jesus Take the Wheel. Uh, you should know some things. Um, I don't personally like country music. Um, now, an argument could be made that <laughs> Carrie Underwood <laughs> is not country music, but that's for another day. Uh, I do like bluegrass music. I like it a lot, actually. So bluegrass, yes. Country, no. But here's the weird thing. This song somehow is familiar to me. I've never sought this song out. I've never actually said, you know what I need today? I need to hear that Jesus Take the Wheel song. I've never driven along with my radio tuned to a station that would uh, play this song. And if it did come on, I'd turn it. But I don't know. In retrospect, looking back over my life, somehow this song has become familiar <laughs> to me. And perhaps you're like me. Uh, you never set out to find this song, but somehow this song made its way to you. There's something about this song. It found its way to you. It's like it wanted to be found. To me, this song is kind of like the ring and Gollum in Lord of the Rings. It's like it wanted to be found. It sought me out. Why is this song so popular? And why is it so catchy? Why does this song speak so universally to us, all of us? I think maybe because it resonates with us at some deep personal level. Something about this song, the story that Carrie Underwood is, is telling, it, it, it tells our story. Indeed, we all know what it feels like to be going way too fast in life. We know what it's like to be spinning out of control on proverbial relational spiritual sheets of black ice. We've all reached that point of desperation, throwing our hands up in the air, crying out something similar to, Jesus, take the wheel. Everyone here can tell a story about God mercifully saving them from themselves. Uh, God mercifully saving them from bad situations, dumb decisions, or poor choices. I am very thankful we serve a God who is, who is paying attention. We serve a God who is willing to intervene and to rescue us, to pull us out of, of those deep holes we dig for ourselves. So a careful exegesis of the song, Jesus Take the Wheel, it reveals three powerful, transferable principles that help teach us lessons about the life with God. So before we jump into those three powerful, transferable lessons, uh, let's, let's, let's look at the lyrics of this song. She, uh, the person, the, 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 the woman in this story, I don't know if uh, this is Carrie herself. I don't know if she's telling an autobiographical story here. But anyway, she was driving last Friday on her way to Cincinnati. Now, hold on to Cincinnati because Cincinnati is an idea. It's a, it's a symbol. It's a, it's a metaphor for that place where we all hope to get. Okay, Cincinnati, our Cincinnati. We all have a Cincinnati, okay? She was driving last Friday on her way to Cincinnati on a snow-white Christmas Eve, going home to see her mama and her daddy with the baby in the back seat. 
50 miles to go and she was running low on faith and gasoline. It's been a long hard year or it had been a long hard year and she had a lot on her mind and she didn't pay attention. She was going way too fast. Before she knew it, she was spinning on a thin black sheet of glass. She saw both their lives, hers and her babies. She saw both their lives flash before her eyes. She didn't even have time to cry. She was so scared. She threw her hands up in the air. Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from my hands. Why? Because I don't, I can't do this on my own. I'm letting go. So give me one more chance and save me from this road I'm on. Jesus, take the wheel. It was still getting colder when she made it to the shoulder and the car came to a stop. She cried when she saw that the baby in the back she cried when she saw that baby in the back seat sleeping like a rock and for the first time in a long time she bowed her head to pray she said i'm sorry for the way i've been living my life i know i've got to change so from now on tonight jesus take the wheel take it from my hands because i can't do this on my own i am letting go so give me one more chance and save me from this road i'm on oh jesus take the wheel oh i'm letting go so give me one more chance. Save me from this road I'm on. From this road I'm on. Jesus, take the wheel. Oh, take it. Take it from me. Oh, why? Oh. So, this song can teach us three powerful transferable principles, lessons, helpful lessons that can really um, inform our life with God. So those three lessons are, are as follows, and we'll unpack these. But the first is, our choices and our actions have consequences. That's the first transferable principle or lesson we can learn. Our, action, our choices and our actions have consequences. Secondly, we often wait until the very last possible moment to ask Jesus for help. And then third, once Jesus takes the wheel, we often don't like how he drives. Once Jesus takes that wheel, we often don't like how he drives. So, our choices and our actions have consequences. Now, our day-to-day -day decisions, those day-to-day -day decisions we make, both good and bad, wise and foolish, they all contribute to the circumstances, circumstances in which we eventually find ourselves. As you recall, heading home to Cincinnati for Christmas, Miss Underwood, she left later than she expected, and this was likely due to poor planning or to unforeseen situations. We've all been there. As a result, she's driving faster than was appropriate given the winter road conditions, and she's failing to consider the risks for herself and for her baby in the back seat. But she's getting close to home. She's only 50 miles away but she's overextending herself. She's overextending herself. She's trying to make it on the little bit of gasoline that she still has left. Now, this empty fuel tank that we hear about in the song is a likely metaphor for her faith. In fact, she actually says it. She's, she was running low on faith and gasoline. So this is a metaphor for her faith, this empty fuel tank, which we can assume has been battered and depleted by her experiences and by the choices she's made during this past year. Could it have been a, possibly could it be a broken marriage, a, a broken relationship, broken promises, unmet expectations, who knows? But one can't help but notice that in the car with her, there is no husband, there is no significant other riding along with her. Now, Underwood, she admits that it's been a long, hard year, and as a result, there is a lot on her mind. 
She's distracted by all these underlying factors and is thus not paying attention. She's not paying attention. And all the while, she is growing increasingly eager just to get home, just to get to Cincinnati. And everything converges in a one moment. Everything converges in a moment, a split second, causing her to spin out on a patch of black ice, her and her baby's life flashing before her eyes. And in this moment, this is unique, in this moment she is so scared that she can't even cry out. We know how that feels, right? Just this wave of terror and fear crashes on us and we just don't even know what to say or do, so she can't even cry out. But oddly, in the context of this song, she is, although she can't even cry out, she is able to sing a song. She starts singing this song as her car wildly spins, spins wildly across the roadway, and her words, if you listen closely, are oddly similar to those words we find sung by the psalmist in Psalm 1, 130. Psalm 130. From the depths of despair, O Lord, I cry for your help. I hear my cry, O Lord. Pay attention to my prayer. Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, who, O Lord, could ever survive? But you offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you. Verse 5, I am counting on the Lord. Yes, I am counting on Him. I have put my hope in His Word. I long for the Lord. More than centuries long for the dawn. Yes, more than centuries long for the dawn. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is unfailing love. His redemption overflows. He himself will redeem Israel from every kind of sin. That verse 5 is really the in biblical language. This is um, the cry. Jesus, take the wheel. I'm counting on the Lord. Yes, I'm counting on Him. I've put my hope in His word. I wonder, as the psalmist wrote this, which Psalm 130 is part of the Psalms of Ascent that the pilgrims would sing on their uh, pilgrimage to Jerusalem, but I wonder what the psalmist was thinking. What had he experienced uh, in his life that brought him to this place? It says, Oh, from the depths of despair, O Lord, I cry for your help. Help my, hear my cry, O Lord. Pay attention to my prayer. And then verse 5, I'm counting on the Lord. Yes, I'm counting on Him. I've put my hope in the Lord. So we know that our choices and our actions, they have consequences. Secondly, we often wait until the very last possible moment to ask Jesus for help. By waiting until the last desperate moment, our problems, as we've discovered, are often far more severe and more complicated than necessary. Our delay in going to Jesus can cause situations to become way more painful, way more protracted, as these small issues become big issues. Minor situations become major situations. Now, be sure, be sure of this. God can and will help us out of and help us through these complicated situations, even if they're more complicated than they, they necessarily, uh, more complicated than necessary. It's just, when we wait, sometimes that experience often ends up more costly and more traumatic in the end because of our, our, our reticence, our hesitancy to go to Jesus first. We must remember this. God is a good Father. At root, 
This is God's heart. He is a good father. And as a good father, as a good parent, he wants us to learn. He wants us to learn from our experiences. He wants us to grow through our difficulties. I mean, look at look at the Bible. If you read about read the book of Exodus, you read about how God, as a good father, he delivers his people. He delivers Israel from Egyptian oppression, from slavery in Egypt, toiling, suffering, dying. He he delivers them and promises to take them to the promised land. But between his deliverance them in Egypt and bringing them to the promised land, there's this whole uh, decade after decade of growing them, of helping them learn obedience, the value of, of faithfulness, the, 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 the critical understanding of what it means to be the people of God in the world. So God takes them through this difficult wilderness phase all these years in the wilderness in order to help them grow. Because why? God is a good father. He's not a magic genie in a bottle. He's a father that wants to grow and help his, grow his children and help them become his people. Thankfully, Jesus is able to deliver us from our bad situations. And he is faithful to work all things together for God's glory and for our good. God is able, Jesus is able to take all the things in our life, the bad situations, the good situations, the stuff the enemy intended for evil, the stuff God intended for good, and He's able to take all that and deliver it to God and say, may you be glorified. So all these things can work together for God's glory and for our good. So if you have your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 8. We need to hear these words. We need to hear these words often. Romans 8, verses 26 through 28. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. So the first lesson we learned from Jesus Take the Wheel is that our choices and our actions have consequences. The second lesson we've learned is that we often wait. It's in our human nature to wait until the last possible possible minute to ask Jesus for help. Now the third lesson, the third transferable principle we can glean from this song is that once Jesus takes the wheel, we often don't like how he drives. Now, I'm taking some, some uh, creative license here. I'm, I'm using my imagination to imagine a third verse in this song. In the second verse, uh, when we listen to the words, we detect notes of real conviction and real repentance. As we read through the lyrics, we, we sense that Miss Underwood, she's like, yes, I've got to change. I need to not wait till I'm spinning toward the ditch. I need to prioritize Jesus in my life. We detect these, these sentiments of real conviction and repentance. Miss Underwood, she recognizes uh, that she hasn't prayed in a long time. And she also recognizes that she has ignored the Lord. She has ignored the imperatives of Scripture. This is acknowledged in her sorrow for the way she has been living. Now, this is a critical and necessary moment in a Christian's growth. We all must get to that point where we say, oh, the way I've been living is incompatible with the way that God desires me to live, intends for me to live. We all have to reach that place of sorrow uh, where we say, oh, I need to repent. I need to stop trying to live on my terms, and I need to turn and live on God's terms. 
I needed to live in accordance with God's hopes, His desires, and His design for my life. Uh, so, how it's quite possible uh, that Miss Underwood struggled to follow through on her letting go of that wheel. Okay, uh, this is where I'm. It's a bit of conjecture, but uh, just knowing human nature, it's quite possible that. She struggled to follow through on this decision she made while the car was spinning. She raised her hand and says, Jesus, take the wheel. I think uh, in the aftermath, in the, in the weeks, months ahead, she struggled to follow through on letting go of that wheel, of, of really changing her life on a long-term basis, as we all do. Because when the sense of urgency diminishes, when the, when the crisis is passed, sometimes, I guess all the time, we have a tendency to go back to normal, this, this homeostasis, this, this balancing point in our life that's worked most of the time in most situations. Like I said, there's not a third verse in this song, but because Miss Underwood is human, it's very likely that she took the wheel back into her own hands after the situation was stabilized, after things felt a little more back to normal. How do I know these things? How do I know such things? Do I have a magic crystal ball? in which I can see hypothetical futures for hypothetical people in hypothetical situations? No. The answer is no. I don't. I don't. I've just noticed certain tendencies among us human beings. Uh, the most familiar example to me, or exhibit A in this argument, is myself. It's me. It's me. Frankly, I regard Jesus many times, most of the time, I guess, uh, we regard Jesus as, as nice to have. Sadly, a lot of times my reliance on Jesus is a using-case-of-emergency uh, type relationships. We, we love the idea of Jesus as our co-pilot. Jesus as buddy Jesus, that he's always there for us. He's always there to keep things from getting too crazy or too difficult. He gets our attention. He gets our trust when our life is spinning out of control. But under normal operating circumstances, guys, we like to be in charge. We like to be in charge. As long as things are within tolerable limits, we like to steer the car. Why is this? I think it's because of this. I think it's because when Jesus is driving, we don't like how he drives. He's always wanting to show us stuff. He's always wanting to teach us things. And Jesus, he never follows our directions. And he's always going wherever he pleases, insisting on choosing the route Choosing the destination. We don't like how Jesus drives. He leads us away from our pride. He leads us away from our selfishness, our ego, and our, and our plans. He leads us along unfamiliar routes at uncomfortable speeds. He leads us toward challenging and unknown horizons. Man, we love Jesus being our Savior. But, at, but, but ultimately, we really struggle with Him being Lord. We love Jesus being our Savior, but we struggle with Him being Lord. Why? Because, you know what? Lords, they get to drive the car. They own the car. They get to drive it. They own it. They get to decide when and where we go. If we let Jesus drive, we know where He's going to drive us. He's going to drive us into His kingdom. He is going to drive us further and further into the countryside of God's will. He's going to drive us deeper and deeper into His mission in the world. 
When Jesus drives, we are confronted with the Holy Spirit's refining work in us as God disciplines us and conforms our will to Jesus' will. And sometimes this is an uncomfortable work. I would hazard to say that most of the time this is an uncomfortable work because as the Holy Spirit refines us and as God brings discipline and conforms us to the will of Jesus and does so out of love, it runs up against our, 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 our will, our pride, our fallen nature. All these things come into conflict with the work of God in our lives. And this experience, while it is of infinite worth and it brings endless joy, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, I think we can all agree that following Jesus has been challenging. It's not the path of least resistance. It's a a path of great resistance. And that resistance largely rises up from inside of us. But we can agree also that following Jesus leads to a life of infinite worth. And as God promised, the life in Christ brings endless joy But it is hard. It's hard because it requires us to die to ourselves. It requires us to daily surrender our rebellious hearts. It requires us to intentionally, consciously, every time we get in the car of our life, to say, Jesus, this wheel is yours. Take the wheel. We give Jesus our wheel. And when we do it long enough, here's the promise. When we do it long enough, habits start to develop. And our attitude starts to change. It becomes easier to fall in line with what God desires for us. As Jesus becomes Lord in our life, we become more and more accustomed to Him having the wheel in our life. We become, it becomes more and more natural for Jesus to be in charge. More and more, Jesus' Cincinnati becomes my Cincinnati. Our Cincinnati's become the same Cincinnati. Let's look at uh, Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, where we hear about this. Trust in the Lord and what happens? He makes our path straight because our expectation, our desire, our path becomes more and more aligned with His path. Proverbs 3, starting in verse 1. My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. So, as we finish up today, I think it's important to to recognize that the church, the church that we grew up in, the church we, we are familiar with, the church is often unfortunately communicated to people that we are, quote unquote, saved. How? By asking Jesus to come into our hearts. I mean, think about it. This is maybe the vernacular used in your coming to faith in Jesus, that we asked Jesus to come into our hearts as if this little Jesus figurine is living inside of our chest somewhere. We asked Jesus to come into our hearts. But here's the thing. Salvation is much more vast. It's much more larger, uh, more, more, more larger. It's, it's larger than we uh, often hold in our, in our popular conception. 
Salvation is more rightly expressed, not as us asking Jesus into our hearts, but us being invited into Jesus's heart. It says that we give him our very hearts, our very lives. It's very much, uh, following with our metaphor, it's very much us signing over the whole car of our life, not just the wheel, the whole car of our life, signing it over to Jesus as Lord and letting him drive it wherever he wants, according to his will, not ours. I'm not sure how this song would have played out differently if Miss Underwood had fully committed to trusting in Jesus from the outset. How would things have turned out if she had prioritized his will in her life, even before, living, even before leaving for Cincinnati on that Christmas Eve? You know, we may never know how things could have been different for her, but here's the thing. We can discover the next parts and the different endings, those, those, those final verses in our own song. Our choices and our actions, they do indeed have consequences in our lives. We know what it's like to wait until things are out of control. We know how it feels to hit black ice and to end up spinning into those dark ditches. And even after Jesus has taken the wheel in those moments, we struggle. We struggle to surrender control to Him in those normal, everyday areas of our life. But... This is the daily experience of a Christ follower. We are called to die to ourselves. We are called to pick up our cross and to follow after Jesus. We are called to daily align our will with God's will. And then ultimately we let Jesus come and write the next verse in our song. So maybe this is a lesson we can learn today by God's grace and by Carrie Underwood's uh, unfortunate example. We can choose to let Jesus take our wheel every day, starting now. And I pray that you would. Let's pray together. Father, thanks for um, music. Thanks for uh, unexpected uh, sources of uh, insight into the Word, into the life with you. I pray that you would work these lessons, these transferable principles deeply into our hearts because it's not about this this terrible song. It's about um, the glorious life with you that's been made possible through Jesus Christ. God, I pray that uh, we would commit to being wise and to being faithful. I pray that we would recognize that our actions and our and our choices, they, they have consequences. I pray that we would live fully aware that um, none of us live in isolation. None of us live in a vacuum. All the choices, all the actions uh, that we choose to make, they have consequences. They have effect. So I pray that we would be aware of that. I pray that um, we would be quick to turn to you, not waiting to the last possible minute to ask Jesus for help. God, you've offered us so much uh, encouragement, so much um, so much uh, wisdom and so much life. I pray that we would be quick to turn to that first, not second. And then, God, I pray that once Jesus is Lord of our life, I pray that we would become accustomed to that, that we would become comfortable with Jesus making those day-to-day decisions in our life, not just in times of crisis, but in times uh, of, um, uh, of just normal day-to-day interaction with, with you, with each other, with ourselves. So, Jesus, indeed, take the wheel. Take the whole car. God, I offer you my life, my heart, all those things. God, you are Lord. You're not just my Savior. You're my Lord. So God, teach me that lesson daily. I pray that as you teach me that lesson every day, I pray that something inside of me changes. My habits develop, my attitudes change, so that they're more and more in line with you and that you are glorified in every little aspect of my life. And I pray that same thing for all my friends.
all my brothers and sisters, all those that are a part of Hope and Anchor, and all those that may hear this message um, through some other means or just accidentally, whatever. I pray that um, we would all grow in the likeness of Jesus Christ. I pray that if... Uh, uh, I pray for my friends that have never trusted Jesus. I pray that uh, they would understand that life begins when we hand over our lives to God. When we return to our Creator through faith in Jesus Christ, we start living even now that new life that Jesus promised us, that abundant life that Jesus offers us. I pray also for my friends who have trusted Jesus, but have maybe been uh, living it on their terms. They've been a little bit selfish, a little bit hesitant to let Jesus actually be Lord. Yes, thank the, they, they've trusted in Him as Savior, but boy, when it comes to actually letting Him be Lord and drive the car of their life wherever He wants, ooh, that takes a little getting used to. God, I pray for my friends that they're struggling, that are maybe just now aware of the fact that they've been um, not fully committed to Jesus, not fully committed to letting Him be Lord in their lives. I pray that they would uh, make a deeper commitment to that reality uh, from this moment forward. God be with us. Be with us as we uh, sojourn through this difficult time. I pray that uh, we would be on the lookout for the ways that you're at work. I pray that we'd be quick to notice the the signs of life and the and goodness that are that are cropping up in, in unexpected places and unexpected ways. I pray that we'd be light in this dark world. I pray that we would uh, be um, uh, proclaiming the gospel. We'd be uh, planting seeds of hope uh, in the world. And that uh, looking back on this time, I pray that we would uh, see signs of your faithfulness. And I pray that we would have stuck close to you so that we could participate in that good and glorious work. Lord, we pray all these things and we lift them up to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. All right, well, thanks for joining me today. Uh, I always look forward to uh, spending this time with you. I'm glad I got this one out of the way because the rest of this series, uh, there are some other kind of dumb songs in the series, but they all teach a good lesson, and so I, I think this will be fruitful. This will be a time well spent for us, uh, surprisingly. I think it will be time well spent. So. Uh, let's see, uh, care groups. Yeah, I want to update you on care groups. They've been up and going now for a couple weeks, and I hope that you're involved, and I hope that you're participating. Uh, if you've not been contacted by a care group leader, please, please let me know. I'd love to get you connected with our care groups because these care groups, especially during this shutdown situation, are a critical link in the life of our church. This is one of the primary ways we're working to stay connected to each other. So uh, each week you uh, should be getting a, a Hope and Anchor Care Group's weekly roundup newsletter uh, that I'm putting together has a has a devotional and has a pertinent announcements and other stuff there but that's a good way to stay connected with what's going on but then also each week your care groups uh, leader the leaders of your care group should be reaching out to you personally through a text a phone call email or whatever but anyway it's important for you to stay connected but it's also important for you to know that you matter you belong here and that uh, you're one of us and we love you so uh, care groups matter so I hope that you can get involved and stay involved uh, reach out to each other. If you're part of a care group, make it a priority to reach out to the others in your group each week because uh, I think it matters more than we often realize. So, all right, that's all for me. Let's go ahead and close uh, by praying as the Lord taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3, 
verses 20 and 21. Now all glory to God who is able, through His mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. And now may the grace and peace of our risen Lord Jesus Christ be with you.